All right. Well, hey, everybody. Happy Super Sunday. So glad that you're here, whether you're in this room, whether you're in the communion room, whether you're online. Welcome. We're really glad that you're here. So my son, William, and I got in the car this morning about seven and we were seeing the steam coming out and we remembered the, the documentary. I bet you saw John Madden who said, this is football weather when you can see your breath. So it's football weather today. And uh, by the way, if, if this is your first time here, I hope it won't be your last time. I hope that you'll come get plugged in. We'd love to get you uh, involved so you can meet friends and start being a part of the, the fun that's going on here. And be sure and come back next week. We got a, a, a surprise that happened this, this past week. I was talking to our longtime friend, Ben Stewart. He says, I'm gonna be in Texas next weekend. And I said, you wanna preach? And he said, sure, I'll come preach. So he'll be preaching next Sunday. So be sure that you come and you can be a part of that excitement uh, next Sunday as well. Take your Bibles. We're going to go as we continue our journey through Luke chapter 5. Uh, we're going to, uh, we're doing the whole book of Luke this year, if you're new. And so we're up to chapter 5, starting in verse 1 in just a minute. And while you're uh, turning there, I'll just, uh, I'll just ask you, so uh, let me hear you. Do, if you think today's going to be the Rams day, let me hear you. All right, how about the Bengals? Okay, so you think that offensive line can keep the Rams? I don't know. It's going to be, but who doesn't like Joe Burrow? He's, he seems like a, a, a neat guy coming along, right? So that's going to be, who's just looking forward to the commercials and the snacks? Yeah, all right, there we go. That's my kind of crowd too. All right, so uh, let's see where we are. Uh, we're talking about today the assembling of Jesus team. He's been baptized. He's been tempted. He preached his first sermon we heard last week. And, and now it's time for him to have a team. And like any team that's going to be successful, you have to get the right people on the team. And so the Jewish rabbis of those days would typically go to the great universities, the rabbi schools to recruit their, their disciples or their Talmudin who would follow them. That's who the famous rabbis would go to. Where does Jesus go when he's going to recruit his rabbis? He goes to the beach. And so it's a little counterintuitive. He starts with very ordinary People, blue-collar workers, not typically educated, smart enough, but, but uh, very mistake-prone, just sort of average, I guess you could say, which is really kind of good news for you and for me, if you've ever felt just sort of average, right? So let's look at Luke 5 as he starts in. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, a.k.a. the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he began to teach the people 
from the boat. Let's stop there. Now, see what's happening here is, is Jesus is preaching uh, on the beach there and the, and the crowds are, uh, you know, uh, if you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, you know, it, all the, the hillsides kind of slope down to this lake. And so they're, they're pressing in and Jesus finds himself having to back up because they keep coming towards him. Typically, they want him to touch them and heal them and these sorts of things. And so finally, he's like right there at the edge of the water. And so he turns around and he sees a boat that belongs to Simon Peter. And he's like, mind if I just jump on here? And the good thing about doing that is now he can use the boat as his pulpit and he can use the water as his amplification as his words skip off. Um, the water. And so he, and by the way, when he hops on Peter's boat, you need to know they were not total strangers. You actually know from Gospel of John, Gospel of Mark, they'd had some interactions. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, this portion we didn't get to last week, um, he had actually, Jesus had actually gone into Simon Peter's home where his mother-in-law was staying because she was deathly ill. And Jesus had even gone in and healed his mother-in-law. So Peter and Jesus, they're not strangers, not at this point. They, they, they kind of hung out a little bit. So he jumps on. Simon gives him a little space there. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon Peter answered, master, We've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Why is he pushing back? Two reasons he's pushing back. The first being, we've been fishing all night. I'm tired. I just was cleaning off the nets, you know, getting all the slime and all the you know, beer cans and cigarettes and sunglasses and whatever else was floating the Sea of Galilee back then. And I'm ready to go home and take a good morning nap. That's the first reason. But the second reason is, it's daylight. The sun's out. You don't throw your nets into the water during the sunlight, surely because the fish can see the nets, but more importantly, because the fish like the cool water. And these were shallow nets. This was not deep drag net fishing that they were doing in the Sea of Galilee. Only in the night did the, did the water get cool enough that the fish came up and they swam at the surface. During the day, Every fisherman knew they're going to go down deep where the water is cooler. We're not going to catch anything, not during the daytime. And we just had a bad night. And so that's a little background. He's pushing back. <clears throat> and so you know that Peter's thinking, yeah, Jesus, you're really, really, really good at what you do. I don't think you know anything about fishing, though. And so this is kind of awkward. And Peter is being summoned by Jesus and he's, he's not pulling his punch. He's asking him to do something he's done a thousand times, but he's asking him to do it a little differently. Jesus is saying, I, I want you to do it my way. And at that moment, Peter's at a, at a real crossroads. He's got to decide, am I going to trust this guy, Jesus, and maybe look the fool <laughs> to other people? who know more about fishing than clearly he does. Finally, he says, okay, because you say so. Because you say so, Jesus, I will let down the net. Not because I think this is going to work out, but I respect you. And so I'll do it. 
I just wonder, have you ever felt like God was nudging you to do something that was a little counterintuitive? Maybe a little out of your comfort zone? You're like, I just don't see how this is going to work out, and yet I feel like that's what he wants me to do. That's often what faith involves, you realize. I mean, Jesus could have made it very easy. He could have taken all the mystery out of it for Peter, and he could have said, hey, Peter, Peter, let me help you. If you throw that net into the water, what's going to happen next and next and next and next in your life is going to make you so famous that people are going to tell your story centuries from now, Peter. You're not just a backwater fisherman. In fact, one day they're going to build a structure in the Vatican. It looks like this. They're going to name it St. Peter's Basilica. And it's where your, your bones will be buried. But, um, Peter, all of this hinges right now on this moment. But he didn't show him any of that. Of course not, because if he'd shown him that, then there wouldn't have been any faith involved. He was asking him, I want you to trust me without letting me see the future. And that's what he does with you and me as well, doesn't he? He says, I want you to trust me and I want you to be faithful right now in this moment. So verse six, when they had done so and thrown the nets in, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break and they signaled their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled up both boats so full that they began to sink. Hear the laughing, hear the shouting, hear the exclamations, the excitement of that moment when these fishermen are like, are you kidding me? Until something clicks at a deeper level inside of Peter. Look at verse eight. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down <clears throat> at Jesus' knees. And he says, go away from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. Why? Why? Because all of a sudden, he gets it. He gets it at a level the other, the other guys maybe don't even get it yet. He connects the dots. Peter realizes, wait a second, I've been listening to you the past few weeks. I've been watching you, and I've been captivated. And yesterday, you came into our home, and I watched you heal my mother-in-law. She was sick unto death. And now, you just stepped all into my world of fishing that I don't think you even know anything about because you're a carpenter. And it's just like you took control of this whole situation. You're not just another teacher. You're not just another rabbi. You're really the Lord. God, and you notice his word changes from rabbi to kurios, Lord, Savior. And the reason he's saying depart from me is because he realized that means you can look into my heart. You can look into my mind. You know everything about me, and that's embarrassing, and I feel ashamed, and I feel guilty, and I feel exposed because now I kind of get it. I'm starting to figure out who you really are. You ever been caught up short in front of somebody who just who knew you were 
faking? Who you felt exposed by? I think of the story of the great uh, two Italian uh, opera composers. Giuseppe Verdi was a younger man and he had just written what was the worst opera for Italy that year. Just hadn't turned out the way he'd wanted. He's conducting the whole thing. And at the end, people began to shout and clap. And it's like, they don't realize this really wasn't that great. They're throwing roses on the stage and he's standing there looking out and he's taking the accolades of the crowd until his eyes fell upon the older master composer, Rossini. And he looks into Rossini's eyes, who's not clapping. And it's as if he could hear Rossini saying, oh, Verdi, Verdi. He knew in that moment that he knew the reality. And that's how Peter is feeling in this moment. He knew that Jesus knew everything about him. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence, Lord. Which is why you got to love Jesus' response. Because right when he could have said, yeah, I know about that. I don't know about that, and yep, I saw that one too, and yep, you are a mess. He could have said those things, but what does he say? Don't be afraid. Peter, from now on, from now on, you're going to fish for people. From now on, those are words of hope that all of us need to hear, aren't they? Yeah, there's a past here, and it's kind of speckled. Yeah, but from now on, Christ says, talk about amazing grace. He doesn't say, let's look backwards. He speaks these words of hope. From now on, you're going to fish. I want you on my team, Peter. I want you to follow me because I'm going to transform you, Peter, into immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine if you could just see what I can see is going to come from your life. <laughs> Wouldn't have said it, but I'm sure he was thinking, and believe it or not, Peter, three years from now, when my ministry is done and I go back home, you're going to preach to thousands of people with power, and you're going to tell them how our Father sent me, the Son, to earth to live the life of sinless perfection that none of us could live so that I could die the death of punishment that all of you deserve so that then on the third day I could conquer the grave that you would never conquer if you'd put your faith in me. Don't you know that in that moment, Jesus could see all of that? But for then, all he was going to say is, from now on, from now on, 
Peter. And I think he would say the same thing to you and to me, even today. I wonder, are you following him? Have you crossed the line of faith in your own life? As you ponder that, why don't you take a look at the screens and we'll enjoy a synopsis of what we've talked about, taken from the, the great series, The Chosen. Take a look. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long. We believe, but my faith, how sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do.
follow me. Follow me, he says. I suspect that here in this room and in the communion room and online, everybody hearing my voice right now falls into one of three groups. Let me tell you what they are. The first group is those who you're, you're listening to Jesus. You're listening to Jesus. <clears throat> That's where Peter was when the story starts. Jesus is teaching again. He's cleaning his nets. He's, he's off on the side just listening, minding his own business, taking it in, thinking about things. And, you know, that's really kind of where the journey of faith starts for anybody. Listening, maybe reading a book about it, gathering some information, talking to some people about it. That's where it starts. And I suspect that some of you right now, you would say, yeah, that's kind of where I am at. In Roundaboutly, I guess that's even why you've sat through the last few minutes listening to a little bit more about Jesus today. But there's a second group. That's the group we'll, we'll call the people who are helping Jesus out. They're helping Jesus out. And, and that's when Jesus steps on to, to, to Peter's boat. That doesn't come through totally clear in the, in the reenactment, but we'll forgive them because it's such a great series, right? And, and so Peter, when he, when he uh, lets Jesus come onto his boat, it's, it, I guess technically you could say, I'm helping Jesus out. He's using my boat as his pulpit. And it even can feel a little heady, right? When you do something and you're, you're helping Jesus out. I got the most famous rabbi right now on my boat. I'm sure that felt good. And, and, and I think that's, that's sort of indicative of people who maybe they're inclined to say, you know what, I'll help Jesus. I'll go serve uh, at BFT. Uh, I'll serve some food to the poor people. Um, I'll help Jesus out. Or sure, I'll go to church with you and, and sit through a, an hour or two. I, I can do that. I'm helping Jesus out. Or maybe, yeah, honey, I'll give you some money for your mission trip. That's a good thing you're going to go do. I'm glad you're going to go do that. I'll give you some too. Here's 100 for you and here's 100 for you. And I'm helping Jesus out. It can feel kind of good when you're helping Jesus out. But you can't stop there because there's one more group. And that's the group of people who are surrendered Surrendered to and being transformed by Jesus. And you know this is starting to happen when you realize, as Beth Moore writes, after thinking that Jesus would not know a thing about your life as a homemaker or a CEO, an accountant, a movie theater manager, a banker, an engineer, a nurse, or a real estate broker, you begin to realize, as Peter realized about his fisherman job, Jesus knows everything about everything because he's the Lord. And when that clicks inside of you, those first two groups just won't cut it anymore because when you realize who he 
is. There's really only one fitting response. And that's to bow down and to give him your life. And to say, whatever you want, I'll do it. Wherever, whenever, I'm yours. So which of those three groups are you in? Whichever one it is that you were in when you came this morning, I hope that even before you leave, you would consider stepping forward into the next. That's what I'm really hoping because I, I want for you to come to know Christ in a personal way as your Savior. I want you to give your heart to Jesus as we saw Peter do. Something I did a little more than 40 years ago. Something that many people here today have done because only in him will you ever truly begin to discover all the potential, all the meaning, all the purpose that God always had in mind for you. So take that step. Take that step of faith. Give your heart to him. I hope that you'll do that. And if you do, send me an email. I'd love to celebrate it with you and give you a call this week. Ken, K-E-N, at faithbridge.org. But right now, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for the grace that you show, for the power of transformation, for the way that you shower us with more, better, and immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. When we deserve so much less, so much worse, you have grace and forgiveness, and you say from now on, Lord, my prayer is that each of us here that we would take that step of faith. And those of us who've been sort of nesting in that comfortable middle position, sort of saying, I'm helping Jesus out, but I'm not going all in. Lord, wouldn't you help us to take that next step forward? And those of us who've, who've given our hearts to Christ, maybe we've gotten a little, a little rusty at that and sort of stepped backwards a bit, not really letting you guide us every day throughout the day. Wouldn't you help us to renew even today on this Super Sunday and to come back with all of our hearts, all of our minds to following you. Friend, if you're here and you've never invited Jesus to come into your heart, why don't you just do that right now? You can borrow my words as I pray them aloud. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to become my Savior my Lord. Won't you come in, forgive me of my sins, cleanse me of all unrighteousness, fill me full of your spirit and show me what it means to follow after you. Give my life purpose, direction. That's what we're praying for today. We ask all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. Jesus.